Welcome back, fellow Joker men, Joker women, Joker folks. Without any further ado, let's take a trip back to old Kansas City, circa 2002, for the conclusion of this legendary performance with our guest, Mr. Tyler Wilcox. I feel like we keep like going through the same shit like a uh, Hanna Barbera like scrolling background with this set because now we're back at like John Wesley Harding with right. Drifter's Escape. One of the absolute highlights in the set as far as I'm concerned. This version of Drifter's Escape fucking kicks ass. Yeah, yeah. it's great. It's like to t- something you didn't even know you wanted was like a really hard hitting version of Drifter's Escape. Yeah, it's, it's super hard. It's good. No, I mean it's definitely like I mean I feel like I want to say that it's based on, I mean, it sounds like cream kind of like yeah. it's sort of like got that sort of like crossroads kind of version. I can't remember who, I feel like this is based on some cover, some cover version, but I can't remember huh. who's exactly. It does um, have a bit cream of a cream cover Drifter's Escape. I can't remember if they did it. Okay. Hendrix did it. So maybe that is what I'm thinking of. I feel like that riff might be directly lifted. Got it. Um, well, that wouldn't be the first time he pulled that move. Yeah, but it is, yeah, it is It is great. Great version, great, like, I mean, the Campbell and Sexton sound awesome on it. I mean, you can tell that they're just like, I mean, it's it's a good guitar team. You can tell that they, like, really enjoy playing together. It's, like, very give and take, um, a lot of that. And then, yeah, the, like, harmonica solo at the end is awesome totally kicks ass um it's yeah it's it's exciting i mean it is one of those songs where you're like like it's obviously not like a hit song like a lot of people in the audience were like what the hell was that no i mean if i was there at the same time like i don't think i would love it i I doubt i would even catch what song it was until like maybe the very end yeah he was yeah at this time he was doing both this and um wicked messenger in sort of fairly similar kind of like really rocked up versions. Um, he was doing a lot of John Wesley Harding at this time too, yeah. like around this, this period. Cause he yeah. even did ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas priest. In did the he do Frankie Lee thing. and Judas priest? Yeah. I mean, he was doing it around like maybe 2000 or something like that. Oh um, man. And wow. he did it. I mean, it was like great, great versions of it. Um, so it was like, he must've swore of been thinking about that record i don't know how much he does from that now other than watchtower yeah. maybe he's still doing i'll be your baby tonight but um but yeah it's awesome it's a good version it it's so cool the record like that where you know obviously the original cuts are relatively stripped down um uh, but then you you can just like there's a whole new song lying beneath oh, yeah. the original version of it um just depending entirely on whatever band you choose to to, to play with it yeah. um uh or to play it with um and yet you just plug it in here and it makes perfect sense i yeah I, I, it almost it, it really does kind of feel like a record that makes a lot of sense alongside love and theft when you have the same kind of band playing it this the, just the yeah. the lyrics and the energy and the vibe and like kind of the the approach that bob took to writing some of those songs like they 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 sit really well next to each other even across whatever 68 to 2001 33 34 years something yeah. like that yeah yeah i mean it may be, they may be connected in some way that he was cuz yeah it was like when i'm thinking the frankie lee and judas priest that i'm thinking of is probably like 2000 before they recorded uh, love and theft and he was doing some of these other songs too so maybe he was sort of rediscovering that record and kind of getting in some of that headspace in terms of i don't know you know i mean not to be too bullshit but like you know american archetype kind of stuff that he's getting into and love right. and theft as well yeah um, I, I see almost some sort of connection between frankie lee and like tweedly d tweedly dumb or yeah. something like those two yeah like, yeah they both you know. have the e vowel yeah. <laughs> yes. That's true. That's what it is. Thank you, Evan. There it is. That's yes. what it is. I'd rather I'd rather think of it as, you know, American archetypes. Let's talk let's say that. <laughs> American archetypes, Tweedly D and Tweedly Dumb. <laughs> two two American two patriots, really. Yeah, archetypes. 
the, ne- the next song is It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. Um, you know, the best song ever written. And it's, you know, very good. <laughs> yeah. By the way. I'm just gonna, Beautiful version. It's a great, like, it's, it's a really lively version that also is low key. Um, which is, it's just really cool to hear him so comfortably slide into this like full band uh, version with like a pedal steel. It's, it's really, yeah, the pedal pretty. steel is great. Yeah, it really makes it on this one. I mean, if gosh, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, really, probably one. Yeah, seen- I mean, it's true. This might be. I mean, that might be another song that with "Girl in North Country" that like it's probably hard for him to do a bad version of. It's hard though, for I even mean, right. even sure, other sure people, even covers like there. Yeah, every right. Grateful Dead version of it, even the ones that are like less good, are still just really good. Yeah. Um, there's I think it's a song great that people can, them. yeah, people can really like inhabit. It has a good, good feel to it. I mean, yeah, there are so many, yeah, there are great cover versions. The um, 13th floor elevators version is insanely good. Um, that's like, and yeah, and the Van Morrison them version is amazing. I was um, just listening to that earlier today. It's still so good. Yeah, it's it's I mean, it is just yeah, I mean, again, it's just like a song that is for whatever reason. And it's, you know, the architecture is just very, it's very got great strong. bones. Yeah, good bones for sure. Um, but yeah, and again, yeah, Larry Campbell on pedal steel. It is just like, like, yeah, the dude could be playing pedal steel the whole show and you'd be like, oh, this is great. He's <laughs> <laughs> the best. Um so yeah, he's he is really like I mean I feel like he's probably like in terms of musicians on the never ending tour, he's just like gotta be top, I don't know, two, three, something like that. Right. He's just like somebody who I feel like can't really take a take a wrong step. He's very, very able to go along with whatever these songs are doing. Seems pretty like down to down to clown with any like weird thing that Bob has, but Mm -hmm. is, yeah, is extremely tasteful too. (laughs) You know, I really, I really hope there's like some super extensive bootleg series coming at some point in the future of like this, this iteration of, yeah, it'll be, or like several instances of never ending tours. You can kind of see how it goes throughout time. Cause obviously there's a couple cuts off telltale signs, um, here and there from, you know, 2000 ish, 2004, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, there's so, like, there's so, there's so much and so many different versions of so many different songs. Like if they did a, um, trouble no more kind of thing, yeah. uh, but for like all of the different versions of all the different, like, cause he went so much deeper into his catalog at, at this moment in time, yeah. um, than he, than he did back then. Like it's, I don't know that there's, there's gotta be, I fingers crossed at least there's gotta be so much. Good It'd be interesting. I mean, it is funny. I mean, just to, I mean, we mentioned it, that this is such a, it is like, and I mean, this was also part of the reason that I got into all these recordings at the time was that suddenly it was like, I don't know if there's like a real leap in technology in terms of audience taping and everything, but like some of the audience recordings, you were just like, God damn, this is like, mm. Super like, clean. amazing. This, this, uh, <laughs> yeah. this sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty show. crisp. I mean, it's you know, it's clearly not a not the soundboard be- yeah. mixed recording, but it's like as you know pleasurable to listen to as is that would be maybe even more so. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's all over now. Do you notice that he does that in this version? <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, he's got it. He can he can go back to it. Um, that's pretty pretty impressive. The, uh, the next song that he plays is also a pretty good song. Uh, <laughs> Such a funny fucking pick. Just going yeah. straight from It's, it's weird, All man. Over Now, Baby Blue, into <laughs> Old Man. Which Old it, Man. Uh, just a real, like, double take moment. You expect, like, if he's going to cover Neil, like, he's going to pick something kind of, like, at least semi-deep cut or something. Yeah. Like, something off Zuma or, like, Tonight's the Night or something. Yeah. But, no, he goes for, like, maybe the most recognizable Neil Young song yeah. on the most net recognizable Neil Young record possible. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, it's, but, I mean, it's, like, you know, I mean, Neil Young just Neil put out Young a record covered, where, he, where he covered Times They Are a Changing. Right, you know, and, like, and yeah. Neil Young's version of 
Blown in the Wind that he does with Crazy Horse on uh, uh, yeah, the, li- yeah, on too. the yeah. live record. Uh, I forget which one. It's, it's on Weld. What, yeah, Weld, that's, yeah, that's an, um, my favorite version of that song, actually. Like, I yeah, like it more than I like any of Bob's. Oh, yeah, it's just <laughs> like that blown out solo guitar. And, and yeah, and that, that, that beautiful, um, like, harmony. He does something different with the melody on it that's, like, really great. Yeah, yeah, it's like a total Neil Young, like, it basically becomes a Neil Young song at that moment. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, turns into Powderfinger suddenly. Point being um, that Neil wasn't, like, doing uh, anything obscure with when he was searching yeah i mean Dylan's he's not catalog. he's not like i mean yeah because because neil young has done i mean he did times they are changing last year not particularly interesting um but he did a great you know like at that uh the bob dylan tribute he did uh just like tom thumbs blues which is a mm-hmm. great version too um and all along the watchtower which is very nice but is you know essentially doing the doing the hendrix version of it the hendrix version yeah and of course um, he covers his own material when he did we need a look at or search looking for a leader um right. yeah which, he just where where are we at with that now his <laughs> his uh his times they are changing update um yeah Ugh. not not particularly great he saved um, the republic but yeah I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, again, I mean, like, it's the same as Brown Sugar. This is like a very faithful rendering of, uh, of Old Man. It's, it's, it's uncanny to hear this song and these lyrics sung in any voice other than just Neil. Yeah. Like, it, there, there's something that just, like, like I, I hear it in my ears and it doesn't, like, my brain can't process it for some reason, yeah. much less, you know, Bob, like, this version of Bob's kind of vocal delivery yeah. and stuff. It's so, yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. But, yeah, I mean, everything, if you subtract Bob's vocal on yeah, this the band and you just listen like to the instrumental, be... you could, yeah, this could very easily just be a, like, you know, not a crazy horse version necessarily, but, you know, a live, it's you know. A, a Dylan, <laughs> Dylan, Dylan karaoke version, you know, like, yeah. it's just like, he's like, play Play it like play it like the record, guys. Although what's funny is that <laughs> I don't think that Larry Campbell is playing pedal steel on it, which would have. I mean, there's a big pedal steel on mm. Old Man, right? Um, which I guess they were like, that's too that's too much. We can't. Like that. <laughs> um, but it is. I mean, it's like yeah, it's like a very like faithful, like loving rendition of the song, um, which is you know it's kind of it's kind of nice. I mean, it is just sort of like I feel like there was some like when he started doing the song because he had been doing the Zevon songs, people were like, does he know something about Neil Young? Like is Neil Young dying? <laughs> and it was oh, like, yeah. everybody was like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was not dying, but uh, uh, you know, it was, there was a moment where it was just sort of like, why is he doing this? Like, does he, is he like trying to send a message to Neil before he dies? <laughs> So it was stressful, a stressful moment in 2002, <laughs> but did not turn out to be anything. We got, we got through it. I mean, the funny thing that he, during this tour, he was also doing, um, uh, he did it at least a couple times. He did The End of the Innocence by what? Don Henley. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, and there were, you know, and so otherwise people were like, is Don Henley dying? Cool. Like that'd be okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Goodbye, Don. <laughs> like, like, like he had a good run. See you later, Don. Good like, night, Don. Let's do this. But he didn't die. But yeah, he did. He did that. He was doing. I mean, he was pulling out a lot of weird things. He was doing some Van Morrison songs. Which um, Van Morrison songs? Are you a Van he, man? Do you like Van? Yeah, I love Van Morrison. I mean, cool. I I have a you know conflicted relationship with Van Morrison, but. I I, love, I don't. I <laughs> no, I don't, you, you love I, everything. I, I, I literally love. I love. I'm so looking forward to like the new record. I like his I, new awful record. Yeah, I, th- I it's not going to be awful to me. I I love that he's just out there doing it, writing songs about like being on Facebook and um, yeah. it's he's it's a, great to me. He's a character. He doesn't have quite. 
doesn't have quite the gravitas of uh, yeah. you know I contain multitudes. Take my money, or um, I've made up my mind to give myself to you. <laughs> in, in, in these Twilight records, yeah. Why yeah. are you still on Facebook? You know what I yeah. like is that he doesn't even think of himself as being in the twilight of his career. He's it's never it's occurred like I'm to as him as I ever was. Yeah, right. He's yeah. just like, well, on my next record, I'm just gonna. <laughs> I I'm just but, gonna keep on making these forever. I, I've said it like many times. But, uh, my favorite thing that he ever did was um like the longest gap of albums studio records coming out that van morrison ever did was like two and a half years and after which point the the record that came out to break the silence was called too long in exile (laughs) yeah yeah you missed me yeah heard you miss me well i'm back i love the normal amount of time any other artist takes between records Yeah. yeah is van morrison's exile yeah but no, he was doing, um, he was doing, actually, I mean, it's kind of interesting. He was doing fairly, a fairly deep cut for Van Morrison. He was doing Carrying a Torch in 2002, um, which is not something that people would be like, Van Morrison's, you know, I mean, he wasn't doing Moondance. Although I think he has played Moondance before. Um, but he's, you know, when he's covered Van, he's gone deeper. Wake me up when he does uh, Dweller on the Threshold. That's what I want. Oh, uh, yeah. Do. That's one of my favorites. That that's, is a really good song. That's like one of my favorite songs ever. I would, so yeah, I would put that, you know, that's a good, like, companion to, I mean, it's like a good, it's like the same as. Knocking like, on Heaven's Door or, or, uh, right. or trying to get to heaven before you close the door or any of the yeah. songs about, like, standing at the door. Yeah. A big theme yeah. and no, I mean, dweller on the good. threshold. He's done he's he's done one Irish rover too. Oh, I, I love that. I yeah. love that for him. So yeah. to say how the kids say. It's <laughs> uh, a nice one. On, Honest one. with me is the next song, which rules. Oh yeah, this is the first love and theft song, and it's like we're what? finally into it. Yeah, we're finally right. into it, and it's like, damn, you could have been doing this the whole time, huh? You could have yeah. just been like ripping. I think that maybe he had he had kind of like I feel like he had hit the love and theft songs pretty hard for the first year after it came out. Like he'd been writing those like pretty. So maybe this is like when he was like, all right, we can like kind of ease it back back a little little bit. bit. And we Um, can never know the subtleties of like the, the changing vibes from town to town (laughs) in 2002 of like why Dylan was like in Kansas city that night. Like, Oh, let's just do something different. Like (laughs) let's do it. I mean, Honest With Me, I feel like, is the one that he, like, maybe played, like, I mean, that might be, like, I don't know what the stats are, but it might be, like, one of his most played songs ever. I think it is, really? to be honest. I was looking at this earlier. Like, he's played it, like, it's been played, like, six, times. 600 times, 739 okay, times. Yeah. yeah. It's only, a lot. Only since 2001. That's cool. Yeah. It's, like, it, for whatever reason, it, like, fits into his idea of a set list, you know? Like, it's just sort of, like, here's the song we're going to do. It's one of those rugged, like sturdy, uh, yeah, just like slots into a set list type songs. Like, and that's, that's one of those things that like, he's, he's still great at is just like, I mean, like pay in blood is another one of those types of songs. Um, there's, there's ones kind of all throughout his like later career where he's just got these, like, he can just do like a barn burner and that like pissed gruff guy. Yeah, doesn't want things to get too too slack, so he's... Rave it up a little bit going into the uh, final third of the set. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's good. It's definitely, like, you it's know, there's solid, no, yeah. no complaints. Um, yeah, it's just good to hear some uh, Love and Theft material. And then right back into the classics with Simple Twist of Fate. Well, what's funny was I was looking. I was looking at this, and I was like, "Is this the only song from the '70s that he plays in the set? Like, he completely leaves out. Like, I mean, it is kind of funny. I mean, I guess he doesn't. I think play it anything. is, isn't it? Doesn't play anything from the '80s either. So it's like it's. Well, no, he's got uh, in the summertime. That's oh true. yeah, yeah, he's got in the summertime. That's right. But it's like yeah, the so, least yeah. '80s of his '80s songs. Yeah, right. I mean, it's kind of true. <laughs> um, he should have played Union Sundown. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Th- I don't think he's played that much. <laughs> probably not it's, it's dated poorly yeah um, yeah i mean yeah simple twist of fate that that one is always always pretty good i feel like it's sort of like his i don't know kind of like a set piece or something where he can kind of do a storytelling kind of song 
Mm -hmm. seems to like it. That one was really good. That last time he played it in uh, 2019 when I saw him. Yep. It was beautiful. Um, It's really nice here. Again, the pedal steel really makes it kind of... If if there's a theme that runs through all of this uh, whole show, it's kind of like faintly a cowboy flair to kind of everything. And um, on the sweeter moments, that's like where that really shines of course with like yeah a pretty liberal use of pedal steel and yeah yeah it's really it's really good on this uh version and he he plays with the lyrics a little bit on simple toast of fate he seems to like like it 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 might just be the simple toast of fate and tangled up in blue that just that those songs are like liable to being played with lyrically but like anytime he really fucks with the lyrics and like throws new verses in and stuff it seems to be blood on the tracks material for whatever reason. Yeah, I guess he just has some sort of idea of like being able to, yeah, switch perspectives, switch, you know, like just have little, little, little simple twists that he can throw in there. So it's <laughs> like, um, yeah, I mean, that seems like, but it is, I mean, it is kind of funny, like that, that this is the only song from Blood on the Tracks. I mean, obviously he played Tangle Up in Blue, probably. I mean, that's probably another one of his songs that's just like played in the, hundreds if not thousands of times over the right. over the years um but just that you know i mean blood on the tracks has got to be one of his signature albums but he kind of ignores it a lot of the time yeah <laughs> other than simple twist and tangled are probably the the two songs that get played the most yeah uh, idiot wind i don't think has really been played much at all you since know, you know i that's that's probably like my best dylan claim to fame as far as going did to you see- catch one I saw the the first show that I saw um, when I was, I guess I was probably 13. Um, he played Idiot Wind. And I, of course, I mean, at the time, I did not know that that was significant at all. Right. Um, but I remember a guy next to me who did know that it was significant. And he grabbed me by the shoulders. Oh, my God. And <laughs> was like... Idiot wind, and I was, you know, a thirteen-year-old who was just terrified. Of, like, what was what was happening? Did you um, see him? Did you see him at the Pentagus in Los Angeles? For I did. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. Where, yeah. That was the first. I'm looking first at, show I saw. I'm looking at the set list right now. Yeah, he went through a run. He played it on the second the second leg of Rolling Thunder as immortalized on Hard Rain, yeah. the worst live album he's ever put out. Oh, um, I don't, I or don't no, I agree guess with you there, but that's okay. I guess no. I guess real live is is worse. <laughs> Um, uh, my mistake. Um, so he played it. So yeah, yeah whatever. He played, he played it, it 76. 76. He, 76. he played it. He played it on a run for 92. Yeah. Uh, from, uh, April 92 until August 92. And then never again yeah. since Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 30th, 1992. Yeah. It's funny. It's a good, I mean, I've listened to that arrangement since, and it's, it's definitely like a good, well thought out arrangement, actually like pretty pedal steel heavy. Um, and it works i mean it's good but it is a song that does seem like it would be you know i mean it's it's obviously like a song that people would get excited about in theory probably but it's it's also like really long and um doesn't necessarily leave you know it's not it's a downer (laughs) yeah and it's definitely not one that you can just kind of turn in a perfunctory performance of you know like you gotta be that's not a sturdy oak tree of a song that's what that's a hothouse flower you gotta really be paying attention to how you deal with that thing that's probably why (laughs) he's not doing it so much as he recognizes that like i'm not always gonna be able to like really stick the landing like every yeah. time every yeah time. i mean it is i think it is just a difficult yeah it's like probably a hard song to get up and get up and do all the time a lot of these songs you know like you just have to like i mean you know like simple twist of fate i mean you could you could be like oh yeah that's totally personal to me that's like something that's you know but at the same time he can you know do uh like performance of it he disavowed it being personal pretty quickly after uh he wrote it i mean i'm sure he was like this is this might seem like it's uh, about me but it's actually (laughs) about about me not it's about anton chekhov and yeah right (laughs) um the next song is we're back into uh love and theft territory with high High water charlie Patton, and um 
That's this cool one kills. They, I mean, he lets the band stretch out. He, yep. you know, like really, and this is like sort of evolving from the banjo thing into more of like more of like a rock song, but not too too much of like a crazy, you know, reinvention. But it is. I mean, it is great. Like just that instrumental section. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's, like it's great... got a little bit of like a truck commercial energy. Like the, <laughs> you can sort of imagine, it's like the news. I see what Chevy you mean, Silverado. It's like it's sort of riffy. Yeah, it's it's good though. I mean, it's got that kind of like chugging. Uh, it's it's in a in 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 the the realm of Chugal, maybe. Yeah. Like a yeah, Chugal adjacent. I, I, in my in my notes, I said I I I, I said sassy stomp. Uh, foot of pride. Foot of pride I, I feel like vibe. There's something. For sure, yeah. There's there's some sort of kind of sassy feeling to this that I also get out of foot of pride. Obviously, very yeah. different kind of tone. I totally tune. hear that. Or, or uh, like you don't have a, on this, that, but that uh that Cass McCombs song, Big Wheel. Uh, that's kind of got that energy too. Like, yeah, I see that too. I, I somebody smarter than me probably knows like somebody like a Chugal scholar could tell me like, <clears throat> actually, this is a Google. PhD. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that would be that'd be good. Yeah, I mean this I feel like this song was always I mean it was definitely like like a high point um as far as like the water love and theft live songs. It was sort of like like the most I don't know, like I mean it's definitely reliable, but it also was like like he was not just he didn't coast through it really. And just, I mean, I, I do really like that he kind of lets the band, there's sort of like the long period. And I mean, yeah, he even pulls off like a, like everything sort of breaks down and he plays sort of like a piano solo kind of thing. That's like, a, yeah. I don't know, just sort of a cool. Claw back on the keys on this one. Yeah, he's just sort of, sort of doing, I mean, it's very, very expressive piano. Yeah. It's not, not technically amazing, but it's like, it is like Bob Dylan. I mean, he is, he's sort of, in, I mean, like I was making fun of his guitar skills, but I mean, it is like, I feel like he plays lead guitar and lead piano and lead harmonica in kind of like all the same ways. He has mm-hmm. sort of like the same, same thing where he kind of like picks out a couple notes that he just sort of uh, works at. And sometimes <laughs> it'll, it'll be like, I mean, I feel like on a harmonica, it actually really works because there is sort of like that there's like a tonal thing going on that he can right. play with. Um, and on the guitar, he's not technically good enough to like make those three notes into something super interesting piano. Maybe it's like a middle ground where he can kind of like find accents and everything. It reminds me of uh, that like bit in spinal tap or Nigel Tufnell is like, I'm working on a suite of songs in D minor. It's cause it's the saddest. <laughs> yeah, right. The saddest of all the keys. keys. Yeah. Like Bob sort of has a relationship like that where he's like, these three notes are very, um, they're really, to me right now, they feel expressive of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) These will work. I'm going to play these three notes 100 times in a row on this song. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, I do feel like harmonica, he can get away with that because it is just sort of like, like he can do it. Guitar, it just doesn't it kind of gets, it kind of just, you're just like, okay, that's enough. Piano, it feels, it feels good. Um, generally speaking. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think just like as an example of this band, like kind of jamming together, maybe getting a little looser. It's high water is like a good, good example. And then the next Although, song. Yeah. They keep going. Is it's all, yeah. It's, I mean, it's funny. It's, it's, oh, no, there's Mutineer. That's yeah, right. Mutineer, which is Mutineer. a total, yep. um, undersung Warren Zevon song. Yeah, um, it's a killer from, man. from a record that gets like kind of shat on historically. But, uh, if nothing else, like the title track is, is really great. And I love to hear Dylan do this. Um, and he sings it really with a lot of feeling, I think. yeah yeah no i mean it's like i mean it's it's like the ultimate it might be i mean i you know i don't want to like but it's one it's definitely one of the best covers he's ever done yeah i don't think that's a stretch at all is like pretty you know it's just like the perfect song for warren zevon but also the perfect song for bob dylan to be singing 
um, just as a general thing. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's incredibly sensitive and emotional. It's very like, yeah, it's, it's, it's heavy. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful song anyway, slice it. And it's, it's like really nice to hear Dylan, like actually give it some attention where compared to as, as fun as it is to hear him do, uh, uh, accidentally like a martyr, this really feels more like it's given the the right like attention. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he had, if he had only done this song as a, you know, like if this was the only Zivon song that he did, it would be like, that would, that would cover it. You know, I mean, it's like, great that it he be... did too. Like uh, we'll take it, but <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, again, like, I don't know what the, what the stats are. I don't know. Like if he's ever done two songs by <laughs> somebody else. That's in a good set. to, that's a good point. In one set. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, maybe, I mean, obviously, obviously way back, I'm sure that he did more than one Woody Guthrie song, right. um, that kind of stuff. But like in the last, let's say 50 years, especially and when we're talking about people that could be seen as his contemporaries or peers, yeah. like um, in terms of like contemporaneous artists, like, yeah, that's that yeah, seems yeah. pretty it, rare. There's a difference between him doing two Zevon songs and him doing two Blind Lemon yeah, songs yeah. or Lead Belly songs. Or I mean, I like guess that. the I mean, I guess you could argue that like the the Sinatra songs are right. know, some sort of, but I mean, those are all different writers. I mean, they're all, it's not like it's, it's it's paying tribute to a single thing, and that felt right. like a different you know different vibe entirely. It wasn't wasn't somebody who is still living who is still yeah still out there but it is yeah i mean it, i i feel like this is you know as far as as far as never ending tour performances it's like you know this is like a his versions of this song during this tour are are you know high points um for for any of that stuff so it's like that's an impressive thing i guess we didn't even mention that high water is the uh you know has the line about kansas city in it too Oh yeah. Yes. We should which mention the that. crowd, <laughs> which the the crowd hooted and hollered for. Yes. <laughs> that's that's one of the best right. things about live shows. Live music is you, when you're at the place that you sing about. It's like when when you, you're in a movie and they say the name of the movie in the film, <laughs> but you get to actually be like, so ah, ah! <laughs> which in the theater is. is frowned upon when you're seeing a film. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was obviously playing the song a lot at the time. But yeah, whether he was like, we got to do High Water. We're in Kansas City. No, he definitely I mean, he's got plenty of place names and songs. It's not as though he would necessarily break break out a song. He loves to, to do places. Yeah. Boy, imagine imagine being in uh, in Mississippi and hearing Mississippi. You yeah, like just... has he ever done it? Mississippi probably hasn't. He's probably like, no, thank you. He probably, he probably stays not. away from it. Exactly. Or, or being in Mobile or Memphis for that matter. When yeah, yeah, <laughs> stuck inside of Mobile. That's where we are, Mobile, yeah. Alabama. We're stuck here, but we got the Memphis Blues again. Uh, by and by, we move on to the song "By and By," a song which is. Um, you know, kind of a weird late set kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the let's all go to the lobby. Like it's like okay, like <laughs> yeah. maybe you want to take a pee or like get some popcorn, whatever you do. Yeah, but I mean, this was sort it's of it's a great beginning. tune. It's a great song, obviously. But. You see, yeah, I mean, I, I really like these songs, but it was like the first of these kind of like I don't know. He was he started writing all these sort of tin pan alley kind of things where it was kind of like more, um, yeah, these kind of jaunty numbers with a lot yeah, of I words. Was, um, I was going to say, it sounds like a modern time song, yeah, but five years before probably, modern times, probably closer to floater. Yeah. I mean, there's like floater or moonlight. And, and like it's, it reminds me of a bit he, of he moonlight. Really like playing those songs. Yeah. Um, but they don't seem like they would be, yeah, particular. I mean, maybe he just sort of thinks of them as like breathers between the like rave ups or more intense songs. He can kind of do something that puts a little variety into the set. Or, or the rockin' uh, daddy type of material, which is what we get on on the next song. Summer, uh, days. summer <laughs> days, which is like if ever a song sounded like drinking a malt in a 70 foot long Cadillac. 
<laughs> this is it, you know. You're this is Joe Biden's favorite Bob song. It's, this is Joe Biden. This is just what he hears. Like he has tinnitus, and it just always sounds like this in his in his head. <laughs> back to the back to the old rocking days. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. it's like I mean, it is just like a song that probably comes across. Be- you know, I mean, it's like like if you're if you're there, it's like a pretty exciting rave up and everything. I don't know how much it stands up to you know these after the fact listens sometimes they can get pretty i mean you know they clearly like love playing it and it's like uh i know what you mean i i i've definitely listened to my fair share of shows lately where this one there's one in particular i can't remember which one it was but like this thing goes on forever and like it sounds like they just like it becomes like almost like existentially weird that like it, this song, it's just like endless, but um, they love what they do and they, they seem to, they, they seem to enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it does. I'd say that's sort of what this period strikes me. It does sound like Bob Dylan is enjoying playing with his band. Like it is a very like, like he likes the sound of the band. He likes what everybody's doing. He is like enjoying himself, which is not, you know, I mean, you listen to a lot of never ending tour stuff and you're like, man, he does not sound like he wants to do this. Um, <laughs> yeah. This, but, it seems like you can't stop him. Like he's just got such yeah. charisma, such, such uh, stamina. This song does feature one of my favorite song, uh, favorite lines on love and theft and, maybe favorite later period Dylan lyrics ever, which is, uh, she's looking in my eyes. She's holding my hand. She's looking at me in the eyes. She's holding my hand. She says, you can't repeat the past. I say, you can't, what do you mean? You can't, of course you can't, <laughs> which is just good. the perfect lyric for this song, which, uh, repeats the past until, uh, your, uh, your ears are ringing. <laughs> Pretty much. It's a um, it's a great Gatsby steal. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is, yeah. Uh, he, he borrowed it. Um, it is. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like he gets away with all the. Yeah, it's like like I remember listening to Love and Theft when this thing came out, and it was just like like Bob Dylan enjoying writing lyrics again mm. was kind of what a lot of it seemed like. Like that he want he didn't want because Time Out of Mind. I mean, there's definitely good lyrics on it, but there's definitely him falling into um you know just sort of general tropes kind of blues blues related tropes and this felt like he love and that felt like he really wanted to like like stuff the words just you know get get like stuff the songs full of words and get as much in there as he could and mm. was cracking himself up probably too you know like was just sort of enjoying the yeah there's so many jokes so many gags and and jokey lines yeah, all over. jokes like in uh what is it in po in po boy when he says uh po boy's full call of up jokes. the Not room service they send me a room <laughs> yeah yeah right, i'm I mean, sitting in my like, watch he's... so i can be on time what that's on yeah. another song uh, it's, it's i mean it's true because i mean i feel like i feel like that is you know as a kid that was what what appealed to me was that Bob Dylan was extremely funny um, and love and theft maybe brought some of that back. Like, I don't think that he was particularly funny in the eighties or nine, you know, like, like there wasn't yeah, a lot that's, of jokes that's true. going There's, on. A lot of it the was humor was unintentional in the, in the, yeah. in the eighties, certainly. And, and, and love and theft is, is definitely a corrective from time out of mind. Evan and I were texting about this a little earlier today. Like uh, time out of mind is such a, like a labored over kind of record. Like it's yeah. clear that like there was so much time spent in the studio and going back and forth. And obviously his kind of fractious relationship with uh, Lenoir was, yeah. was a large part of that. And love and theft is just the sound of like, He's in charge. He's in the studio. He's writing the songs he wants to write. He's having a good time. Yeah. 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 I think that there's, yeah, there's just sort of a, he's suddenly is enjoying himself and doing that. And yeah, I mean, summer days, I mean, as sort of like, I mean, I remember when it came out and people are like, like, oh, you know, he's doing like a Brian Setzer orchestra thing or something. And it was kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, kind of, but it is still Bob Dylan on top of that. And it's like, right. He can pull it off. And it's very um, self-aware, uh, it, and like just to tie it back to the beginning of this whole show, like when we were talking about that 
sort of theatrical atmosphere, the campy intro. Um, this this is uh, a record, and especially this song, I think is like best enjoyed. Just uh, leaning into the the camp, and and on top of that, like the band is really tearing it up. By the end of this, it gets it is worth wild. saying, yeah. Yeah, the band is really just fucking yeah, like lean hammering it out. Like, like this jokey song, like becomes so intense that like you're just forced to say like, yeah, I'm I'm in. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it. Yeah, it's like it's like they definitely transcend that. Like it starts off and yeah, it's like okay, here's like this cliche thing, but like I mean, obviously, this is like the kind of music that Bob Dylan heard when he was a kid, you know, like it's probably like similar to the early rock and roll kind of stuff that he was like, like kind of transfixed by mm-hmm. as a kid. So, I mean, it's like, at some point he's going to be like, like, this is, this is what I remember. This is the feeling that I'm going to try to get across as opposed to just being like, like a signifier of like rock and roll. Yeah. Quote, right. Unquote. But but the um, band just like you said like they transcend like they go so um, they the the guitarist the whole group brings such like a wealth of power and knowledge of the genre to this um, sort of tried and tested format of like a sock hop sound and rock yeah. and daddy jam that it it actually does become kind of like the HD like ultra version like turbo mode version of yeah. he actually There's, succeeds in making like old timey rock and roll feel like really vibrant. Yeah. Something beyond nostalgia, which is what, you know, the sets or stuff. I mean, you, you guys are probably too young to remember, but it was like that. Are you talking about like the stray cats and shit like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, the stray cats was, but like there was the whole like, mid to late 90s swing revival which was you know <laughs> Big Bad Daddy and things like that <laughs> right. it was just like okay yeah. it was like a pure nightmare of you know even as a kid you know like it was it was something where people you know it just felt like the worst thing in the world like <laughs> I mean I, I like remember the, the, the Chips Ahoy commercial being pretty big <laughs> yeah I mean it kind of kind of seeped into everything but it was just sort of like like that felt awful and this was you know like I think when it came, you know, when Love and Theft came out, you were kind of like, oh, like, should he be doing that, this? But it right, was that like, direction he's going in. He was able to to pull it off in a way that was like, like much more <laughs> engaging and interesting and fun than than uh, that that scene was. It was like, I mean, I do, I do always think I'm just like, like that was the worst. That was like as bad as. <laughs> The late nineties were kind of, I mean, I just feel like it was a dark, it was, you know, like rap, rap metal and swing revival was like the, uh, like the scene. That's what white people were into back then. Rap, yeah. rap rock. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. It was not good. There is something cool. I mean, I'm looking at the timestamps on the video right now and, uh, summer days starts at one thirty nine. blown in the wind. Next song starts at one forty nine. There is something cool about just a 10 minute version <laughs> yeah. of summer day. It's almost like postmodern that like these, these are rigid, these like 1957 kind of, um, yeah. rock and roll sounds that would have literally been like a hundred seconds long yeah. on a seven inch back then. We have 10 That's minutes. That's what I'm saying. It go, it's, it goes for the pure campiness. Like look no further than the album cover of love and theft where it's in quotes, like really big. And it says Columbia, like the serial number, it's like yeah. pretty clearly like conscious. The quotes that, in the title of Love and Theft, yeah. I, I I love. That's it's, it. Doesn't need I to still be. Don't there. know what it signifies. It, what but it I signifies love it. is just an artistic different uh, a distance from the um. You know, there's that quote that campiness is uh like everything in quotation marks. It's like yeah. reality in quotation marks. I don't know who said that, but uh, the, the I think that's a good way to put it. Like the experience of listening to a 10 minute like face melting version of this like sock hop rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. And uh, then we have it the ti- times that are changing or blown in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> blown in the wind. Different. Different, but the other, kind of the same. The other Although, song. I mean, it, it, yeah. Again, it is like, I mean, there's, there's bad <laughs> versions of the song. This, I mean, this yeah. is a good version of the song. It is a good version. 
There's two there's songs no. that exist. There's Blown in the Wind and there's Times They're Changing. <laughs> and you can only you can either have one of one of those two types. Yeah. And it is, I mean, it is kind of interesting how just like, I mean, maybe even as you said, like sort of in quotation marks, there is like like there is something about maybe blown in the wind in the context mm-hmm. of all these other songs that no totally totally that's into something that's more like a less of like an anthem and more of like a i don't know just sort of like a weird weird voice or perspective or something as opposed to being like like everybody sing along no i think you're totally right i mean that that is kind of the the thing that keeps it interesting uh to to be a listener and to be someone in the crowd is hearing this song right on the heels of that version of uh, right. summer days. It's like forces you to think about this song differently. And uh, actually on that level, like it, it totally succeeds, I think to, to make it feel a little bit fresh again. Yeah. There's some nice, uh, nice backing vocals from the band on this too. Yeah. 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 Uh, they sound great. They they yeah. really kind of belt it out. Yeah. And, and he, yeah, he they're sort of belting it out and he's kind of playing off of them um, in a good, fun way. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, again, it's, it is the sort of song where, like, yeah, you, if you scan set lists or whatever, it's not like you're looking forward to hearing you go, in the wind. You go, mm, every, does, everything seems to be in order when you see it on the yeah. set list. <laughs> yeah, but it does, I mean, it does when you when you get to it you're just sort of like like yeah this is like a logical logical conclusion of some kind to get to makes makes sense yeah exactly speaking of logical conclusions i think that we we end with kind of a a, a conclusion that is slightly too logical (laughs) yeah i think after all the like reversals and plot twists that we've gotten the multiple covers we end with you know one that was Watchtower. maybe a predictable, yeah, along the Watchtower. I mean, that's got to be. I mean, another one of these songs that, in at least for the first, I don't know, ten, fifteen years of the Neverending tour, he played most nights, um, and always in this, you know, super electric, revved up way. He's never really done anything um at least to this point although i mean i will say that listening to it here i was like you know they are and i don't know if it's george Rosselli or what but he you know i mean he dylan always said that like after hendrix did it he was like that's like the version you know like that's he did the definitive version that's the definitive version exactly but at the same time like you listen to you know versions that dylan did after that and you're like well i mean he's doing it electric but he's not doing it like hendrix necessarily right um in terms of just like rhythmically but this version is rhythmically it's pretty close very close i mean i I wonder if it's crossed his mind like you know hendrix is not there to do it so like it's my song like i i should be the one to be playing this song a lot and taking bringing you know taking what people now know as like the flavor of this song and bring it with me on the road because like who literally who who else gonna do it now i honestly wonder like like how many people in the audience at a show like this know that this is a bob dylan song and not not a hendrix song i thought it was like the fourth cover of the night yeah, exactly. Like it, it's 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 like Bob covering Hendrix covering Bob almost. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's played. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the stats on uh, Bob.com, and it, he's played two thousand two hundred and sixty eight songs. Might be the single most played song ever in his entire in his entire discography. And he's never. I mean, um, it's not like he's ever done it. I mean, I don't think he's ever done an acoustic arrangement of it. I think right. He's exactly. Done it as a, like full full electric thing because i mean the first exactly. time you would have played it would have been 74 with a band yep um and then the budokan versions are super electric i think yeah i mean i think he's always thought of it as like a loud rock song um to this point and they really go it, for the loud rock like you you get some pretty wild playing a really like ridiculously exuberant solo yeah 
Yeah, and I mean, they even, I mean, I feel like the guitarists even quote the Hendrix solo yeah, yeah, definitely. at some point, like during that sort of breakdown when it gets sort of spacier. It's, it's like a straight, you know, like we are playing. So it is, yeah, I mean, it's like, it is a cover of Hendrix is a tribute to him as much as anything. Um, but, you know, I mean, this, I, yeah, I mean, for a song that he's played 2000 times, I mean, it's not like it's ever particularly bad. I mean, I know that there's like, I don't know. I mean, you know, like hearing him play versions in 95, he plays it. I feel like like that period, he plays it a lot earlier in the set, but it's still just like a pretty powerful, you know, like he really, they really kind of get it going. Um, the businessmen so yeah, I mean, are always drinking that wine and you got to write it. You got to sing about it. You know, <laughs> they're always, they I mean, never know how much any of it is worth. It's, they, they never they, know. They stay not knowing. Plowmen always digging the earth. They're always doing it. Some of us, some of them among us. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is good. I mean, it's, it is, I mean, I guess it's like, it's all right, Ma, where it's kind of like, it can, it is so, uh, just works works in almost every context which is obviously the man's one of one of the guys like many gifts is that he can do things that resonate for decades they're Um, they're both man versus society songs it's all right ma and uh yeah along the watchtower and you know Bob Dylan does not vote, so instead he he plays this song <laughs> like a million times. Is that true? He doesn't vote. We're referencing. He gave an interview to Rolling Stone in in 2012, right? Evan? Where he was like, "Who cares if you vote or not?" Uh, the the question is uh, the the, the person the interviewer poses the question: Should we vote? Yes. And Bob says, "Yeah, why not vote?" Respect to the voting process. Everybody ought to have the right to right. vote. We live in a democracy. Uh, and then the follow-up from there is, uh, yeah, do you vote? And he's he just says, hmm, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that sounds like Bob Dylan in 1966, too. You know, I mean, it's exactly. like he is not going to, uh, yeah, give you give you anything in that in that regard. He will <laughs> he will tell you the the opposite of what you want to hear. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he's. I'm sure he votes. Come on. I don't think so. I don't know, man. He gets an absentee val- ballot and fills it out. Just I, like I seriously don't think he votes. <laughs> <laughs> he loves this shit. Uh, but it, it's I'm, also I'm cool about- uh, that the way he ends this version of All in the Watchtower is with the different yeah, lyrics. dramatic flourish. Yeah, he does it. They None of them know what any of it is worth. Yeah. Very different than the he usually, yeah. He usually repeats the second the wind or the began first to verse. Howl, yeah, he does the. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, it's it's you know. I mean, he 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 knows that that song is like a a huge, huge song and huge um, tune. Gives gives it gives it what it what it deserves for the most part. I feel like it would be like I, I would be more interested if he if he would cut against the grain on this at this point and yeah, just do the do the John Wesley version, which is just two and a half minutes, just him and a guitar, basically him and an acoustic guitar. Yeah, um, you know, I yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that he. I mean, I've heard him do. There's a version from maybe like the last ten years or something that moves into more like. I mean, I hate to say it, but it it, it gets gets almost sort of like has, has like a reggae thing happening. Um, <laughs> Bob and reggae like, have a very like uh, rich combo. history. We love we love Bob and reggae. I mean, it's you know, I mean, I'm okay with it, but like, it is just sort of like <laughs> he he is like maybe I should do something different with this song, and then he's kind of like, what about reggae? Yeah. Um, and it <laughs> give me some reggae. goes in an interesting direction. It works so well in 1983. Why not? Uh, why not the 21st century? I was, just, I mean, I was just looking because you know, I mean, the rumors are that they're going to put out this Infidels box set as the next bo- for the next bootlegs. Mm-hmm. And I was looking yeah. at the various like sessions or whatever, and there were like several things where it was like in parentheses, just like reggae jam. And I was like, man, you, they are going to put that shit out, man. It's yeah, be a dub. They, Got it. For the uh, for, for the record store day release, it's coming out in a couple months. The the I and I Joker oh, Man, uh, yeah. <laughs> one one of the Joker Mans is just instrumental 
uh, re- like reggae instrumental uh, Jokerman remix, like just lyrics gone, just just the reggae beats in the back. I'm so psyched for I'd, that. I'd listen to that. I'll take it. <laughs> oh boy, give me give me the cutting edge, but for just for the infidels sessions. Yeah, it'll just, be just, it'll it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. Whether they are sort of like here's everything to the kitchen sink, or whether they're like here's three discs of like what we think is cool. It seems like they're kind of doing both at this point. Like, like, cause for traveling through, for instance, like if you try to stream it on Apple music or Spotify, there's just like a 15 song sample. Right. But if really you cool. buy like the physical yeah, yeah. set, then obviously you can get literally everything from every studio session. And then so. there's just that, yeah, the 1970 thing that came out. So yeah, I mean, I guess they're giving, giving whatever they're, whatever people want. And they're just like, yeah. like, fuck you guys. Like yeah, take go, whatever. Just, yeah, we're done curating. You just you guys figure it out. I mean, here's, it is crazy. Once again, not to point. not to turn it into an old folks old folks home, but it is like whenever I think about like the last decade of Dylan releases, I'm like, man, this is like what I dreamed about as a kid. It just like yeah. being being like like that'll never come out. They'll never put out just like six CDs of Blood on the Track sessions or you know eighteen CDs of. 1965 1966 but it's like they did it it's all there yeah they 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 did it i mean it's nice that they're they're willing to do this and dylan is as hands-off as he is with it seems like he's clearly do you think he's hands-off with it i think that he is i mean i'm sure that he has some kind of say in it but i don't think that he's like i think that his manager is just like the Bob Dylan you know, organization. Here's, here's what we're doing, and like, do you have anything to veto? And he's like, whatever. Like, right. sign the contract on this. Like, let's just do it. Um, I think he's pretty past like caring about what comes out at this point. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I mean, I don't think that he's like. There's probably very little that he's like. That definitely is not coming out. I think right. it's. I think it's all just part of a contract you know <laughs> like yeah like well they, certainly now that he's sold the entire catalog well yeah i mean he's he's definitely going into going into that zone but it is yeah i mean i don't know i mean maybe maybe the well is going to run dry at some point but it seems like there's still a good good amount of stuff and as you said like yeah just like never-ending tour that's like a, a huge well to be tapped i mean at this point it's a 30 plus year part of his career that's barely been scraped yeah um yeah i'm waiting for that and i'm waiting for the uh there's got to be something from the street legal era that is that is oh yeah i'm sure we've got we've got the blood on the track cuts and then we don't have anything until all the live shit from i'm I'm dying to hear like the other version of new pony like uh, like seven versions all all 18 cuts of new pony yeah i'm sure i mean i'm sure that there's like a you know there's probably like at least a you know, another self-portrait version of, you know, that era that would change everybody's mind about how that stuff works. So, I mean, it would be, I, it is 77, 78 is probably like maybe one of the more ripe periods for just like being like, is there's like, you know, several discs of just amazing shit. Just um, tons of shit to excavate. Yeah. Cause there's a bunch of rehearsal tapes from him and rundown. At yeah. That there's tons of that. <laughs> There's it's yeah, you a look very at, tortured kind of period. You look at all that stuff, and yeah, it's he's trying out a bunch of different bands and trying out various various sounds. And I mean, again, like as the show showed us, I mean, he is a guy who likes to pull out weirdo covers. I believe the one thing that like I really want to hear is um uh what is the the Muppet song, the Rainbow Connection? What he sings that in that period? He's done Rainbow Connection. Yeah, where? You're kidding. When? Like seventy eight, <laughs> maybe something like that. Oh my! God. Maybe a little bit later than that. I'm not sure, but it is like the rundown, like like tapes or whatever. So it's like wonder him if like, just like Jim Henson was in the play studio. Rainbow Connection. Um, I love, I and love probably him. like, and you know, you'll probably hear it and be like, man, he is like connecting with, with the rainbow connection right now you're really feeling this <laughs> i just want he to hear th- just that i just want to hear dylan muppets uh bootleg series <laughs> yeah maybe there's a whole album of muppets covers i don't know just like dylan and the muppets in the studio like animal on the on the drums <laughs> it was like i need that guy on drums i need that He's guy good. that guy's good he's got that guy's got it <laughs> he's got the attitude i need 
um yeah yeah no i mean it's you know it's all like i mean it's a fun fun uh pastime rich tapestry to explore as you guys know it's the richest tapestry perhaps (laughs) yeah pretty much well, thank you so much for joining us, Tyler. Yeah, uh, did we do was, it? Uh, I think we've I think done we did it. more. Th- we've done so much of it tonight. I'm always worried about these episodes. I feel like we'll be like, oh, maybe we'll get like, maybe we'll talk for like, you know, an hour tops and we'll split that into two episodes. And here I am looking at GarageBand. I'm at like 220. Yeah, there's a lot, <laughs> to, lot to go through. Lots oh, to talk about. Do you have anything to plug? <laughs> Twitter, blog. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm, not, I'm on Aquarium Drunkard. I have a, there's a, I do a radio show once a month on Dub Lab for the Aquarium Drunkard, like radio free Aquarium Drunkard. I think it's every third Sunday, something like that. So it's a lot of stuff. We'll probably be doing a Bob Dylan extravaganza in May for his 80th, you know, birthday. We've been trying to figure out our own celebration. That was I know. That I mean, I was the... almost, because we were talking about it and I was like, I was like, God, I mean, everybody's going to be fucking doing something. Maybe we should just do nothing. Um, (laughs) It's going to, you know, like you don't like, it's going to be on like time magazine and shit, you know, it's not going to be like Bob Dylan turning 80 is going to be, there's going to be a glut of Dylan content, but I mean, probably, probably do something. Um, Yeah. And I mean, my, my blog doom and gloom from the tomb. It's a Tumblr thing. You can look at that. Um, It's all kind of like, bootleg kind of stuff generally speaking um so yeah i mean those that's kind of like the the places to find me twitter ty wilk tyler Um, wilcox ladies and gentlemen he's got his fingers on the pulse of uh several (laughs) generations of rock music people living and dead on the pulse of on the pulse of the dead dead guys is usually not not very fruitful. He's on that dead rock star <laughs> beat online. And uh, you're going to love what you read, uh, just as you hopefully loved what you heard. Yes. Thank you for having me. Joker message. Yeah, I'm here. You're my
Yeah.